purifying the soul is connected to all of the branches of Iman. What do I mean by that? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Lahu alhamdulhasan wa thana'u aljameel Wa ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allahu wahtahu la sharika lah Wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abdullahi wa rasooluh Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasliman kathira amma ba'd So this is our second lesson Out of this small series that we have started on the topic of Tazkiyatun Nafs, the purification of the soul. And insha'Allah ta'ala, the first two lessons will be a muqaddima or a madkhal ila hadha al-ilm. An introduction to this knowledge, what is it all about? And what are some of the principles and the points that we need to understand before we can start the topic itself? Last week we started this and we will continue it this week, insha'Allah ta'ala. Now the first thing is that there was a very good question last week in which a number of the brothers, they asked about some of the words in this topic, the terminology, which is difficult to understand. And I chose a number of different uh, words or terminologies, istilahat, which are difficult to understand on this topic. From them is an nafs. What is an nafs in relation to al-ruh, in relation to al-insan, in relation to al-aql, in relation to al-qalb? So all of these different words we have, right? We have an nafs, and we have al-ruh, which is a soul. And we have an insan, which is a, a person. And we have a qalb, which is the heart. And we have an aql, which is the intellect. How do these words all come together? In reality, what you will find out, and I spent a lot of time today reading through different statements of the scholars, until I found one that I felt explains it in an easy way, is you will find that these words, what makes them difficult, is that different scholars use them in different ways. Not everybody uses them in the exact same way. But there is a general understanding that many of the scholars or the majority of them use for these words. So I'm gonna start with al-nafsu wal-ruhu wal-aql. The nafs, which is what we're talking about, tazkiyatun nafs, and the ruh, the soul and the aql, which is the intellect. And I'm going to start with a quote from Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, in which he talks about whether or not the intellect is in the brain or the heart. And he is the intellect in the brain or the heart. The first thing that he says before everything else is that you need to understand the word qalb, the word qalb, it has two meanings. This is what makes it hard. The word qalb has two meanings. One of them is the meaning which is found in the hadith, Ala inna fil jasadi mudha. Ida salahat salah al jasadu kullu, wa ida fasadat fasad al jasadu kulluhu ala wahi al qalb. 
There is a piece of flesh found on the left-hand side of the body. This is the heart. And this piece of flesh is the word that we most commonly associate with the heart. But sometimes the word heart, he said, وَقَدْ يُرَادُ بِالْقَلْبِ بَاطِنُ الْإِنسَانِ مُطْلَقًا Sometimes you use the word qalb to mean the inside of a person completely, the whole inside of a person. This is not usual, mostly when we say qalb, we mean the piece of flesh in your body. But sometimes the word qalb is used for the whole of the inside of a person. He said, وَلِهَذَا قِيلْ For this reason it was said, إِنَّ الْعَقْلَ فِي الدِّمَاغِ كَمَا يَقُولُهُ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ الْأَطِبَّاءِ وَنُقِلَ ذَلِكَ عَنِ الْإِمَامِ أَحْمَدِ وَيَقُولُ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْ أَصْحَابِهِ إِنَّ أَصْلَ الْعَقْلِ فِي الْقَلْبِ فَإِذَا كَمُّلَ إِنْتَهَا إِلَى الدِّمَاغِ He said, for this reason, there were many doctors who said that your intellect is in your mind. And this is narrated from Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. But a large group of his companions, they said that the origin of your intellect and your reasoning is your heart. And it is only completed in your mind. So when the doctor sees your mind working, he's seeing the completion of a process that began where? In your heart. Listen to how Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah reconciles between all of these opinions and brings you one single, easy to understand concept. He said, وَالتَّحْقِيقُ أَنَّ الرُّوحَ الَّتِي هِيَ النَّفْسِ لَهَا تَعَلُّقٌ بِهَاذَا وَهَاذَا He said, the tahqiq, if we really get down to the reality of it, is that the soul, which is the nafs. Now what did we take from this? That Shaykh al-Islam, for him, ar-ruh wa nafs bima'na wahid. One meaning. The ruh and the nafs are the same thing. The nafs is the ruh and the ruh is the, the nafs. And this is connected to the mind and the heart, both of them. And what is described as al-aqlu yata'allaqu bihada wa hada. It's connected to both. Your intellect is connected to your mind and it's connected to your heart. How? He said, لَكِنْ مَبْدَأُ الْفِكْرِ وَالنَّظَرِ فِي الدِّمَاغِ وَمَبْدَأُ الْإِرَادَةِ فِي الْقَلْبِ He said that the beginning of your thought, it takes place in the mind, but your desire and will to do something comes from your heart. وَالْعَقْلُ يُرَادُ بِهِ الْعِلْمُ وَيُرَادُ بِهِ الْعَمَلُ فَالْعِلْمُ وَالْعَمَلُ الْإِخْتِيَارِ أَصْلُهُ الْإِرَادَةِ وَأَصْلُ الْإِرَادَةِ فِي الْقَلْبِ He said, the word reasoning, al-aql, sometimes we use it to refer to what you're thinking about, your knowledge, and sometimes we use it to refer to your actions as well. And both knowledge and action come from your will, and your will comes from your heart. He said, وَيَبْتَدِئُ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الدِّمَاغِ وَآثَارُهُ صَاعِدَةٌ إِلَى الدِّمَاغِ فَمِنْهُ الْمُبْتَدَأْ وَإِلَيْهِ الْإِنْتِهَاءِ وَكِلَ الْقَوْلَيْنِ لَهُ وَجْهٌ صَحِيحٌ He said, 
that the beginning of reasoning takes place in your mind and the beginning of your desire to do something takes place in your heart and the effect of what you decide to do can be seen in the mind. This is amazing that he said this before anyone scanned anyone's brain and <laughs> before anyone that the, the result of your desire that you choose with your heart is seen in your mind. So both of them have a role to play in what is described as the aql, the intellect. In other words, the ruh, the soul, which is the nafs, has a connection to both of them. In some of his writings, he said that the ruh is present in the whole body, not only in the heart. The whole body has a part of the ruh, and it's not only in the heart itself. Rather, the whole body, it, it goes around the entire body. And so there is an effect of it on what you think and an effect on it on what you feel. And all of this is connected to the same concept. So what about the concept of the insan then? Generally speaking, the scholars, they say the word insan is only used for the body and soul together. Ar-ruhu wal-badanu ma'an, together, the body and the soul together. This is when you call it insan. And generally, when it is a nafs by itself, it's called a nafs or a ruh or a soul. And when it is, and when it is a body and soul together, it's called insan. It's called a person. So by understanding this, we understood that most of the time the word nafs is used for the soul, most of the time. But sometimes even the word nafs could be used for the insan, the body and soul together. It could be. Because sometimes, for example, even in the Quran, the word anfusukum many times refers to the soul, but often it also can refer to the body and the soul together, the person as a whole. And there is a lot of discussion about this, and we're not going to go too far, Yani down the proverbial rabbit hole, otherwise it goes on for a very, very, very long time. And part of this is the statement of Allah Azza They ask you about the soul, say that the soul is from the matters of my Lord, and we've only been given a small amount of knowledge on this topic. And so in general, what I want you to take from this is usually when we talk about the nafs, we are talking about the soul. That is most of the time. We're talking about the ruh. However, sometimes we might talk about the nafs and refer to the whole person. In general, when we talk about the ruh or the nafs, it involves the mind and the heart and the whole body together. Yani. It's not something that someone says, for example, are we talking about purifying the heart? We are talking about purifying the heart, but not only purifying the heart, because purifying the soul is not only from the heart. In fact, this can lead us to our first principle that we said we would talk about today. And that is that purifying the soul is connected to all of the branches of Iman. What do I mean by that? How do we describe Iman? How does Ahl Sunnah well, Jama'ah, how do they describe Iman? They say that Iman is five things, right? Qawlul qalb, wa amalul qalb, wa qawlul lisan, 
Five things. is what? It's al-i'tiqad, it's what you believe, right? What are your beliefs? Are your beliefs a means for tazkiyatun nafs to purify your soul? They are the greatest of all the means of purifying your soul. Because there is no way to purify yourself except by having the correct belief in Allah Azza wa Jal. Rather, if you don't have the correct belief in Allah, Allah can destroy all of your deeds. So this issue of your beliefs being a part of what purifies your soul. Amalul qalb, a'malul qulub, the actions of the heart. Like hoping in Allah and fearing Allah and loving Allah and honoring Allah and trusting in Allah. These play a huge part in the purification of the soul. The statement of the tongue which is la ilaha illallah. This is the greatest of the shu'ab of iman. The greatest of the branches of iman. And so how can we exclude that from purifying the soul? And then the actions of the tongue like a dhikr, wa dua, wa tawbah, wa istighfar, you know, these different things that are done. Then also the actions of the limbs like the prayer and the fasting and all of the other things that a person does, all of them play a role in tazkiyatun nafs. And it's not correct to limit tazkiyatun nafs to one of them instead of the other. So when we're going to be talking, some of our lessons are going to be about al-i'tiqad, the things that we believe in our hearts. Some of the lessons are going to be about a'malul qulub, the actions of the heart. Some of the lessons that we're going to take are going to be about al-lisan, like dhikr wa dua and so on. And some of our actions or some of our lessons are going to be about the physical things that we do with our limbs. All of them form tazkiyatun nafs. So it's not correct to limit tazkiyatun nafs to the heart alone. Or to limit it just like it's not correct to say that the soul resides in the heart alone. Rather the soul has a connection to the entire body. And so also the means of purifying the soul are connected to the entire body. So this was our first principle that we wanted to take. Our second principle we want to take. That tazkiyatun nafs is a blessing and a grace from Allah. We should not think of it as something which you can just, it's just dry like that. You can just learn it or you can just study it or you can just tick a few boxes. Rather, it's a grace from Allah. And from this is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ مَا زَكَى مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ أَبَدًا وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يُزَكِّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Surah An-Nur. If it were not for the grace of Allah upon you and His mercy, none of you would ever have been purified ever. You would never have been able to be pure. But Allah purifies whoever He wants. And Allah is all hearing and all knowing. And in Surah An-Nisa, But it is Allah who purifies whoever He wants. And in Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah 
Allah made you love Iman and he made it beautiful in your heart and he made you hate disbelief and defiance and disobedience. It is they who are rightly guided as a grace from Allah and a favor. What does this word fadl mean? Al-fadl is al-za'id, any something extra, right? So you, for example, we talk about fadlul ma, the fadl of water is the extra water you don't use when you're making wudu. We call it fadlul ma. So something which is a fadl is something you are given extra to what you deserve. And a ni'mah is the same. A ni'mah is something you are given without a muqabil, muqabil, without giving something one for one. So we have to understand that achieving purity in our soul is a gift from Allah. Hibatun rabbaniyyah. It is a gift from Allah. And we should never, ever, ever think that it is something that we deserve or something we can bring for ourselves. There are two mistakes here. One is that people believe this is something that they can bring themselves. And believing that the blessings of Allah, you can bring them yourself. This is what Qarun fell into. When he said, I was given this, all of this money and this virtue because I'm so clever and I'm so intelligent. And what happened to him? We caused the earth to swallow him up and to destroy him. One of the reasons he was destroyed is because when it came to Allah's blessings, he returned it to himself instead of returning it to Allah. He said, I got this blessing from me. Rather, tazkiyatun nafs is hibatun rabbaniyyah. It is a gift from Allah, nothing else. And none of us deserve it. And that's why Allah said, fadlan min Allahi wa ni'mah. It's a grace and a blessing. But here comes a question. Is that grace given out randomly? What I mean by that is, is it like random? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Like just, you get it, you don't. You can have it, you don't. No, it's not. Wallahu alimun hakim. Allah knows and Allah is wise who to give this blessing to. So yes, it is a gift, but it has a means of achieving that gift. It's not random. It's not like somebody is just throwing random gifts and maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. It's something, there is a way, there is a tariqah, there is a means by which you seek it from Allah, but you realize that means and no alone is not enough. Rather, you have to be given that gift by Allah. And when you're given that gift by Allah, you don't deserve it. Rather, Allah gave it to you as a gift. And I want you to think, if you want to appreciate this gift a little bit, think of all of the people in the world today. And I might have mentioned this last time, but I, I really, it, it, it shocks me. All the people in the world today, the majority of people on this earth today are not Muslim, right? The Muslims are a smaller number than the non-Muslims. Out of all those Muslims, how many of them are practicing Islam, meaning praying five times a day and fasting Ramadan and you know, these basic things. You can say that not everybody, right? I don't want to put a number, but we can say not everybody. Then look among them who are praying and fasting. How many of them are doing so according to the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Not everybody. 
Some of them are, they fell, fell into al-bid'ah wal-khurafat, into innovations and misguidance and so on. Look at how Allah Azza wa Jal chose you from among these people. And then ask yourself, do you really deserve that? Yani did you do something so amazing that, that that Allah gave you, you deserve it? Or is it a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal that we strive to keep through certain actions? And so we understood that yani it is a gift from Allah, but it has a means to achieve it. And from the means is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى This tells us that this gift is not random. Whoever gives and has taqwa and attests to the truth of Al-Husna, any paradise, we will make it easy for him to do the actions which will take him to paradise. And as for the one who is stingy and sees themselves not needing Allah and denies Al-Husna, the promise of paradise, we will make it difficult for that person to do the actions of paradise. That shows you that it's a gift from Allah, but there is a way to follow. And that way to follow, it doesn't guarantee you, but you go upon that way and you beg Allah and plead with Him to give you that tazkiyah. Allahumma ati nufusana taqwaha wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha anta waliyuha wa mawlaha. Oh Allah, give our souls their taqwa and give them tazkiyah, purify our souls for us. You are the best of those who purify them. You are the one that we entrust for this. And you are the one who protects and nurtures our soul. So we do the actions which bring about tazkiyah to nafs, knowing that we need Allah Azza wa Jal desperately. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is a principle that you can live your life by in all of the aspects related to Al-Qadr wal qada You can live by this principle. And that is recognizing your desperate need of Allah while working hard. Whoever joins between these two things will be successful. Whether it is tazkiyatun nafs or any other aspect of their deen or even their dunya. Whoever joins between two things, recognizing their need of Allah and working hard. And perhaps you can take this also from the statement of Allah, وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِيلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى What is the person described as two things? Al-Bukhl, and he's stingy. And the stingy person is not working. They're not doing anything, any. They are not willing to do things. Wastagna, and the person believes they don't need Allah. Wakadhaba bil husna, and they deny what Allah Azza revealed from the promise of paradise. So this is our next point that we wanted to, any we wanted to, to deal with. <clears throat> the next thing that we're going to mention. And this is a very important principle. And that is that tazkiyatun nafs, the road to take, the path to take, is the path of al-anbiya wal-rusul, alayhim as-salatu wassalam. They are our inspiration and our leaders that we follow in everything connected to our religion, including tazkiyatun nafs. 
So it should not be that a person says, in my prayer, I follow the way of the Prophet and in my fasting, I follow the way of the Prophet But when it comes to tazkiyah to nafs, I follow and all of this type of stuff, what feels good and what my Shaykh said. And it's not like that. Rather, we follow the way of the Prophet And from this is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. And we mentioned this last time. And the statement of the Prophet sallallahu I was only sent to perfect righteous manners. And in a riwayah, makarim al-akhlaq. The most noble of manners. So the Prophet ﷺ was sent with what, with, with that which will purify our souls. We don't need any other way than his way. And so when we take his way, we are taking the path which will lead us to this gift from Allah, which is tazkiyatun nafs, the purification of the soul. And a person needs to think about this. Because in all honesty, there are two things that sadden me greatly. One of the things that really saddens me a lot and makes me very sad is to see people seeking tazkiyatun nafs from somewhere other than nusus al wahiyin not taking it from the Quran and the Sunnah, but taking it from the dreams and the hikayat and the qasas and stories and the, you know, my sheikh told me this and you know, sitting in a cave for two hours in the dark and all of these strange things that people took for tazkiyatun nafs. Instead of taking it from the source which is nusus al wahiyin the Quran and the Sunnah. The second thing is, people leaving tazkiyah to nafs because they don't believe that this is a part of the sunnah. Any people who are mutamassikuna bil kitabi wa sunnah, they're holding fast to the Quran and the sunnah. They're following the hadith, the hadith of Al-Urbaad ibn Sariya, which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi they're holding fast to the sunnah, they're biting onto it. So when you say, Ya Akhi, why are you not taking some time with tazkiyah to nafs and a tawbah wa dhikr wa istighfar? He's like, Ya Akhi, this is not, it's not from the sunnah this. For these are two mistakes. Rather the answer, the correct answer is that this is part of what the Prophet ﷺ was sent with. So we take it from him, we don't take it from these other strange ways. We take it from the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, وَتَزْكِيَةُ النُّفُوسِ مُسَلَّمٌ إِلَى الرُّسُلِ وَإِنَّمَا بَعَتَهُمُ اللَّهُ لِهَذِهِ التَّزْكِيَةِ وَوَلَّاهُمْ إِيَّاهَا وَجَعَلَهَا عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ دَعْوَةً وَتَعْلِيمًا وَبَيَانًا فَهُمُ الْمَبْعُوثُونَ لِعِلَاجِ, النفو... لعلاج نُفُوسِ الْأُمَمِ And then he mentions the ayah and he says فَالرُّسُلُ أَطِبَّاءُ الْقُلُوبِ فَلَا سَبِيلَ, فلا سبيل إِلَىٰ تَزْكِيَتِهَا وَصَلَاحِهَا إِلَّا مِن طَرِيقِهِمْ وَعَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِمَحْطِ الْإِنْقِيَادِ وَالتَّسْلِيمِ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانِ
Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, Tazkiyatun nafs is to be given to the prophets. And you give yourself to the way of the prophets, Allah sent the prophets for this tazkiyah. And Allah made it their responsibility. And Allah made it their da'wah. And they taught us and clarified to us how to do it. They are the one who was sent to purify the souls of this ummah. And they are the ones who are the doctors of the hearts. There is no way to purify or correct your soul except through them and upon their hands. And by submitting completely to what they came with, and it is Allah's help that is sought. It is Allah's help that is sought. Therefore, we can say that the Quran and the Sunnah, and this is our next principle, is that we must build tazkiyatun nafs upon what? The Quran and the Sunnah. As in the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ Today I completed your religion for you and completed my favor upon you and I chose for you Islam as your religion. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, اِتَّبِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا مِنْ دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Follow what has been revealed to you from your Lord and don't follow other awliya besides. How little is it that you remember? And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa min al-dhulumati ila al-nuri bi-idhni rabbihim ila siratil aziz al-hamid. A book that we sent down to take people from the darkness into the light by the permission of their Lord to the path of al-aziz. Al-Hamid. And there are many, many, many yani, ayat like that. And the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhuma, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Amma ba'd, fa'inna khayra al-hadithi kitabullah, wa khayra al-hadi, hadiyu Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa sharra al-umuri muhtathatuha, wa kulla bid'atin dalalah. The hadith narrated by Muslim, and it's also narrated by Al-Bukhari and others. To continue, the best of speech is the book of Allah, and the best of guidance is the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the worst of things in this religion are the newly invented matters, and every innovation is misguidance. And the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, man ahtatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu rad. Whoever introduces something new into this religion of ours, it will be rejected. And I want you to think about this. Sometimes we say this and we don't realize any the first problem with taking a different route than the route of the Prophet Sallallahu It will not be accepted from you, it will not work. So anyone who tries to purify their soul with a way other than the way of the Prophet Sallallahu the first thing they're gonna lose is their tazkiyah will not work. It will not work. And that is enough of a loss that you do something and you work hard at it and it doesn't produce any results. Let alone after that what is promised yani from uh, the punishments of those who oppose the sunnah. Sufyan ibn Uyayna rahimahullah ta'ala he said, Inna Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam huwa al-mizan al-akbar. 
فعليه تعرض الأشياء على خلقه وسيرته وهديه فما وافقها فهو الحق وما خالفها فهو الباطل Sufyan ibn Uyayna, the great Imam, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is the scale that we measure everything by. We measure our manners by his manners. We measure our actions in our life by the actions in his life. We measure whether we are guided by his guidance. So whatever agrees with what he did is the truth. And whatever goes against what he did, it is falsehood. And Ibn al-Qayyim, he has an amazing statement on this. He said, He said, مَنْ أَحَالَكَ عَلَىٰ غَيْرِ أَخْبَرَنَا وَحَدَّثَنَا فَقَدْ أَحَالَكَ فَقَدْ أَحَالَكَ إِمَّا عَلَىٰ خِيَالٍ صُوفِي أَوْ قِيَاسٍ فَلْسَفِي أَوْ رَأْيٍ نَفْسِي فَلَيْسَ بَعْدَ الْقُرْآنِ وَأَخْبَرَنَا وَحَدَّثَنَا إِلَّا شُبُهَاتِ الْمُتَكَلِّمِينَ الْمُنْحَرِفِينَ he said, whoever gives you something which is not based on the chains of narration in the hadith, either he's giving you some kind of imaginary stories or some kind of philosophy or some kind of personal opinion, there is nothing after the Qur'an and akhbarana and haddathana except for the doubts of the philosophers and the opinions of those who are deviated and the imagination of yani, some of those people who took the wrong approach in tazkiyatun nafs and the analogy of the philosophers whoever goes away from the evidence has left the straight path وَلَا دَلِيلَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالْجَنَّةِ سِوَى الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ He said, there is no way to Allah and no way to Jannah except for the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And he said, وَكُلُّ طَرِيقٍ Every road you take and you don't take with you the evidence of the Qur'an and the Sunnah فَهِيَ طَرِيقُ الْجَحِيمِ وَالشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ It's the path to Jahannam and the path to the Shaytan. So in everything we do, whether it is our manners, our behaviors, our purification of the soul, our worship, what we take with us is the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the Dalil, always in what we do. Otherwise, it will take us away from, from the path. There's another principle that I want to share with you today. And that principle is that quality is more important than quantity. And the evidence for this is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبَلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورُ How do we know that this means quality? Al-Fudayr ibn Iyad, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, أَخْلَصَهُ وَأَصْوَبَهُ أَخْلَصُهُ وَأَصْوَبُهُ وَالْعَمَلُ لَا يُقْبَلُ حَتَّى يَكُونَ خَالِصًا صَوَابًا الْخَالِص إِذَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّوَابِ إِذَا كَانَ عَلَى السُنَّةِ He said here, in the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, the one who created death and life to test which of you is best in deeds. He didn't say which of you is most in deeds. He said which of you is best in deeds. 
So the al-ibrah here, the concern is the quality, not the quantity. It's not about the fact, for example, that somebody says subhanallah wa bihamdihi or somebody says a dhikr a thousand times or ten thousand times. But what matters is the quality of it. Is it done according to the Quran and the Sunnah? Is it sincere for Allah Azza wa Jal? This is what matters, the quality, not the quantity. So in all of the deeds we're going to talk about, whether it's tawbah and istighfar or dhikr or whether it's seeking beneficial knowledge, the key is the quality, not the quantity. And that is a principle that we have to take. <coughs> this principle we covered. The next principle that we're going to cover is that people are of different levels when it comes to the purity of the soul. And from this is the statement of Allah Everyone will have levels based upon what they have done. And the statement of Allah Among the people, among the souls, are those who oppress themselves. And among them are the ones who are muqtasid, yani they are in the middle. And among those are those that are racing forward to do good deeds by the permission of Allah. This is the great virtue. So among the people are those who fall short in purifying themselves. And among people are those who are purifying themselves to a degree, but they're not doing everything they could do. And among them are those people who are rushing and racing to do more and more and more from the voluntary, from the voluntary deeds. Sheikh Islam Taala he mentions here, there are two paths which, or two means. One of them is sulukul abrar. And that is Ada'ul Wajibat wa Tark al Muharramat, Baatinan wa Zahira. These people, they leave what Allah made haram, they do what Allah told them to do, and they purify the inside and the outside. And those people are Abrar, they are righteous people. And then there is Sulukul Muqarrabeen as Sabiqeen. And these people do what the others do as well as voluntary deeds, doing what is recommended and leaving what is disliked. Fi'il al-wajib wal-mustahab hasab al-imkan wa tark al-makruh wal-muharram. Those people are of a level which is higher than those who just do what Allah commands them to do and don't go over and don't go over it. I mentioned to you the principle earlier about how all of the aspects of Iman play a role in Tazkiyatul An-Nafs. Al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Al-Imanu yashmalu aqa'id al-Deen wa akhlaqahu wa a'malahu al-Zahira wal-Batina wa yataratabu ala thalik annahu yazidu bi ziyadati hadihi al-Awsaf wa attahakuki biha wa yankhusu bi nuqsaniha 
He said, وَأَنَّ النَّاسَ فِي الْإِيمَانِ دَرَجَاتٍ مُتَفَاوِتَ بِحَسَبِ تَفَاوِتِ هَذِي الْأَوْصَافِ He said, our iman is based upon what we believe, as well as our manners, as well as our actions inside and outside. And therefore, it goes up when we do these things, and it goes down when we don't do them. And people are therefore different according to their iman. And they can be divided into three. سَابِقُونَ مُقَرَّبُونَ Those people who do the wajibat and the mustahabbat and they leave the haram and the makruh. And maybe even they leave the mubahat. We're going to talk about this because this is a very important point in Tazkiyatul Nafs. And that is تَرْكُ فُضُولَ mubahat. But this is a topic for another day. It means leaving the extra halal things you don't need. Leaving extra halal things you don't need, like extra food, extra sleep, extra shopping, extra buying, extra things you don't need. Leaving these things plays a very big role in Tazkiyatul Nafs, a big role in purifying the soul. Then the muqtasid, the ones who do the wajib and leave what is haram, and the ones who are ظالمون ظالمون لأنفسهم those people who either fell into the haram or they left something that Allah made obligatory for them. Where does the benefit come back in Tazkiyatul Nafs? Who benefits from it? Does Allah benefit from it? No. Who al ghani? Allah doesn't benefit from the worship of His servants. He deserves it, but He doesn't benefit from it. Who benefits from it? We do. What's the evidence for that? The statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَمَنْ تَزَكَّى فَإِنَّمَا يَتَزَكَّى لِنَفْسِهِ وَإِلَى اللَّهِ الْمَصِيرِ In Surah Fatir. Whoever purifies themselves, they only benefit themselves with it. And to Allah is the return. And to Allah is the return. So this can be a principle for us. What are the means therefore, and this is one of the last topics, we have just two more topics to speak about and then we'll finish. What are the means for tazkiyatun nafs? The first one, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Say, my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Say, my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Seeking beneficial knowledge is one of the greatest means for a person to purify themselves. In fact, you cannot purify yourselves with anything unless it comes with seeking. First of all, beneficial knowledge. فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ So Allah preceded knowledge before action in this ayah in Surah Muhammad. So we understood as Imam al-Bukhari said in his uh, yani, uh, introduction to the chapter that knowledge comes before statements and actions. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِيلَنَا those who strive hard, we will guide them to our ways. You have to strive hard. And if you want to be someone who achieves purity, you have to work hard for it. It's not easy. It doesn't come easily. It doesn't come easily. Sincere intention. Sincere intention. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla in the hadith Qudusi, Ana aghna shuraka an shirk. I'm the least in need of anyone making a partner with me 
Whoever does an action in which he associates others with me in worship, I leave him and I leave his action. From this is taking the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا You have a certainly got an excellent example in the Messenger of Allah for the one who hopes in Allah in the last day and remembers Allah much. Keeping away from the tricks of the shaitan and the traps of the shaitan. يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان ومن يتبع خطوات الشيطان فإنه يأمر بالفحشاء والمنكر O you who believe, don't follow the way of the shaitan, the steps of the shaitan Whoever follows the steps of the shaitan, shaitan commands you to do evil and immorality To seek Allah's help احرس على ما ينفعك واستعن بالله ولا تعجز Be keen for what will benefit you and seek the help of Allah and don't feel defeated from the means of achieving it is making dua. Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha anta waliyuha wa mawlaha as we mentioned. And the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam afdalul jihadi man jahada nafsahu fi dhatillah The best form of jihad is the one who fights against himself for the sake of Allah. And there are hadith. Any of these ahadith, all of them have some criticism over them. Like him together, when we put that hadith together, any they reach a level of being fair, any reasonable in terms of their authenticity. This issue of fighting yourself, mujahadatul nafs. And it's not easy, your nafs, inna nafs la ammaratun bisu'. Your soul wants to go the other way. It wants to tell you to do something wrong. You have to push and you have to strive and you have to try your very, very best to fight against yourself. I need to fight against yourself. And a quote from Shaykh Rasam Taymiyyah, he said, إِذَا كَانَتِ النَّفْسِ تَهْوَى وَتَشْتَهِي وَهُوَ يَنْهَاهَا أَيْ صَاحِبُهَا كَانَ نَهْيُهُ إِيَّاهَا عِبَادَةً لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى وَعَمَلًا صَالِحًا يُثَابُ عَلَيْهِ وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ عَلِ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال المجاهد من جاهد نفسه في ذات الله He said, since your soul craves things, and your soul desires things, and you're trying to stop your soul from what it, the bad things that the soul wants to do, then you stopping your soul from these bad things is an act of worship and a righteous deed which you'll be rewarded for. And the Prophet ﷺ said that the one who fights is the one who fights himself for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. So fighting against the self is extremely important. And we're all going to finish with just one or two more points. I think one more issue. What about the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal? What about the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal? In which he prohibits you from tazkiyatun nafs. What about this statement? فَلَا تُزَكُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Don't declare yourselves to be pure. How do we reconcile between this and what we've spoken about, about the good deeds of purifying the soul and all of that? How do we join between this and between the statement of Allah Don't make tazkiyah of yourselves. So no doubt the Quran doesn't contradict. We all agree to Quran. There is no contradiction in the Quran. So there has to be a meaning for this and a meaning for this because Allah said, Qad aflaha man zakkaha. 
So we told that if you have tazkiyah to nafs, you're doing very well, you're going to be successful. But we also told don't do it. So the action of purifying the soul is what is beloved to Allah. As for claiming purity by saying, I am pure, this is what Allah Azza wa forbade you from saying, Allah knows better who fears him. So claiming yourself to be pure, this is the problem. When someone says, I am pure, I am righteous, I am good, this is the problem. We should not even claim it about someone else. Where you say, MashaAllah, so-and-so is pure. We should say, This is what I think of this person, but Allah knows them better. And I don't declare anyone to be pure in the sight of Allah. So declaring and stating yourself or someone else to be pure and righteous, this is what is blameworthy. But doing the actions of purifying the soul, this is what is praiseworthy. And with this, alhamdulillah, we finished our qawaid, our muqaddimah, our madkhal. We didn't talk about tazkiyatun nafs yet. We didn't get into the topic. But what we did is we took a madkhal. What is the purpose of a madkhal? Maybe you can say the mabadi al-ashara. Maybe you guys have heard the poet. He said, inna mabadi akulli fannin ashara al-haddu wal-mawdu'u thumma al-thamara there are certain essential things you try to learn before you start. Try to learn what does it mean? What's the definition? What's the subject matter going to be about? Are we going to be talking about hadith or ayat? Or what are we going to be talking about? We try to understand the virtue of it. We try to understand the name of it. And what's the name about tazkiyah to nafs? Tazkiyah, what is that? What is the nafs? We understood that. Then we try to take uh, where does it come from? Where is it taken from? Is it part of another science? It comes under the issue of tarbiyah. Uh, and generally tazkiyah to nafs, we take it from inside ulum tarbiyah, the sciences of uh, يعني, nurturing yourself and nurturing other people and any tarbiyat and nafs and tazkiyatun nafs it comes under that and what is the ruling of it we understood it's an essential part of Islam right we've understood that purifying our hearts because Allah said وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَاهَا if you don't if you allow your soul to become impure and you don't strive to purify it you will lose out so we understood the hukam and we understood many of the masail and the qawaid that we need to be able to take this topic. Where are we going to go from here? From here, inshaAllah ta'ala, first of all, there will be a two-week break. So there will be no class for the next two weeks. And that's because I'm going to be away for a short period of time, inshaAllah ta'ala. We will be back, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's 4th of February is the Saturday. But it, don't quote me on that. But whatever, I, it's 3rd, 4th, something like 4th, 4th of February. We will be back, inshaAllah ta'ala. We are going to be taking this from the books of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. We're going to start probably with Al-Wabil al-Sayyib, the introduction to it. There's some very, very nice points in there. And then we're going to go through some quotes from Al-Dawa al-Dawa and Ighathat al-Lahfan and Tariq al-Hijratayn. And these amazing books, we're going to take some quotes from them and we're going to present a topic. So for example, one topic could be 
that tazkiyatun nafs begins with taking your soul to account. It begins with muhasabatun nafs, taking your soul to account. So all the statements of Ibn Qayyim in his books about taking the soul to account, we're going to put it together into a topic, teach it one day. Then we can talk about, for example, that tazkiyatun nafs, uh, from it is loving Allah and honoring what Allah commanded you to do and keeping away from what Allah forbade you from. And we're going to gather together the statements from the books like that and we're going to study them insha'Allah ta'ala. And I could have chosen many, Ibn Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala, Sheikh Islam and Taymiyyah has a book on Tazkiyatul Nafs as well. Likewise, uh, there are many, many, I need many, many great scholars who spoke about it. I feel like there are so many benefits in the books of Ibn al-Qayyim. It's nice to read them, inshaAllah ta'ala. And I didn't see that it was done in English before. Many times in Arabic, the scholars did it. But in English, I didn't see that somebody took this from the books of Ibn al-Qayyim. So I wanted to take it to read some of those books to you, inshaAllah, so we can study them together. And that will start, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, on the 4th of February. So we can take two-week break, inshaAllah, and then we will be back. We just take a couple of minutes, inshaAllah, for any questions. I'm conscious that we don't want to be in the masjid too long, that we disturb the imam and the mu'addin and the administration of the masjid who so kindly gave us the time. But we'll take for five minutes in case something I said wasn't clear or there's any corrections which need to be made. Naam. Very good. How do we reconcile not declaring others to be pure with the issue of husnuddan, thinking good of people. So it's very easy. We are required to think good of people, to think good of others, right? Uh, we are required to see good in people, but we don't make a declaration where you guarantee this. For example, there are many examples. I'll give you a modern day example. So many times when someone dies, people say, for example, fulan uh, shaheed. This person is, uh, was a martyr. But in reality, if they were a shaheed, what are you testifying for them? It's the same as saying fulanun fil jannah, right? It's exactly the same as saying this person is in jannah. So now the statement of Allah comes, Think good of them, say, yani, I hope, inshallah, any shaheed, inshallah ta'ala, we hope that that person Allah accepted from them. But don't make statements of certainty about things. And that's why a dhan is the, is, it goes against yaqeen, right? Dhan is something where you cannot be sure of the answer. So I, I have husnul dhan, yani I think good of them, but I don't claim to have certainty. Especially because you don't know what a person will die upon. Your actions are judged on how they end. A person, subhanAllah, might die upon evil. A person might die upon something bad when they did something good in our eyes. And from this is the hadith of the person who does the actions of the people of Jannah until there is nothing between him and Jannah except the dhira, the, the length of the forearm. Then he, the decree of Allah overtakes him and he does the actions of the people of the fire and he enters it. How is this hadith? How can it be? How can someone and then go to the fire? How? Because as some of the narrations said, he did the actions of paradise in what the people saw from him. And I saw this brother 
in my eyes doing the actions of the people of Jannah. But when Allah judged him, he didn't judge his actions to be the people of Jannah, either because of ikhlas or mutaba'ah. And he didn't, wasn't sincere for Allah or he wasn't following the sunnah. So Allah didn't accept the actions that he said that in my eyes, they were the actions of the people of Jannah. So I had good thoughts of him. I said, it seems to me, it seems to me and Allah knows best that he was doing the actions of the people of Jannah. He was a good brother, insha'Allah. He was a good brother. Allah knows him better, but we don't make statements of certainty and Allah knows best. Ikhwan, uh, just a small point, it came to my mind now with regard to the kids. We definitely 100% welcome the, the young kids and we love to see them in the masjid and in the dars. Just be careful about the equipment because it's very heavy. If it falls on them, something like this, it will really injure them. So we just ask the parents to just make sure when their kids keep your kids a little bit close, because if one of them trips over something like this and it falls on them, it will cause them a very, very big injury, Wallah, because it's extremely heavy. So just be careful about that. Was there any other issues that I said that wasn't understood? Yes, Akhir. Mm. Now comes the issue. Tasawwuf and tazkiyatun nafs, do they mean the same thing? In reality, for some people, they meant the same thing. For some people. But this term, tasawwuf, it didn't come. Tasawwuf comes from what? Suf, right? Suf is wool. This didn't come from the Quran and the Sunnah that you didn't see the Sahaba wearing wool to get tazkiyatun nafs or like uh, causing themselves to live a life of poverty for tazkiyatun nafs. For some people might use it the same, like Al-Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala, he might use it like that. He might, he might use it as an istilah, any terminology, but it's not the same in reality. We should use the terminology of the Quran and the Sunnah, right? قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا So we should use the terminology of the Quran and the Sunnah. But for some people, they used it like that. Al-Ghazali, Ihya Ulum al-Din and others, they use it, they use it like that when they, that's what they mean by it. In reality, it's a word that meant very different things to different people. Some people meant by it as zuhd. Any by tasawwuf, they meant as zuhd, just keeping away from the dunya. And some people by it, they meant tazkiyatun nafs. And some people by it, they meant all kinds of khurafat and bid'ah and strange things. Yani. So in reality, it's a word that is not mundabit. It's not very reliable like that. And it didn't come from sharia. And we don't believe that, yani, wearing any certain clothing or behaving in a certain way is that that's a means to tazkiyat al-nafs, right? Instead, zuhud is a means to tazkiyat al-nafs, yes. Keeping away from the dunya. But we try to use the proper terminology so people don't get confused because somebody might read that terminology, for example, that Al-Ghazali used, rahimahullah ta'ala. And from that terminology, they might get a complete wrong understanding. They make an understanding that Tazkiyat nafs is in the worshipping the graves and making dua to the dead. And they might get a very wrong understanding from it. And that's why it's really important to use the terminology of the Quran and the Sunnah. And that will be better for a person uh, than using something which might confuse a person. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. I think that's about it, inshaAllah ta'ala. We'll not keep you much longer. Please do remember there's no class next week or the week after. Our next class will be 4th of February, inshallah. That is what Allah Azzawajal made easy for us to mention. And Allah Azzawajal knows best. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.